One of the themes we've been tracking on the show is the tightness of the labor market. I had the opportunity to talk with Cam Kayla from IT by Design, who supplies staff for IT service providers and MSPs, to get some insights into conditions on the ground. We dove into remote work, hiring tips, and more from this interview filmed at IT Nation Connect 2023 on this bonus episode of The Business of Tech. There's so much data out there, emails and files, and sometimes it's just in the wrong place. Move data like a pro with MoveBot, data moving built for scale. Move terabytes to petabytes lightning fast, even between storage platforms with complete transparency through comprehensive scanning, reporting, and error handling. MoveBot is super easy and works around platform quirks with automatic file sanitization, doc type conversion, moving permissions, and more. With support for over 30 different platforms, including mailboxes, you can move any kind of data anywhere. Want to try it? Get 250 gigabytes free to try MoveBot with no credit card, demos, or calls required by visiting movebot.io. Move data like a pro with MoveBot. Dave Sobel here with another bonus episode of The Business of Tech. I'm talking with Cam Kayla today, and we're going to talk a little bit about hiring trends and what we're seeing in the space. Cam, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me. So, to, for a little bit of context, you do a ton of recruiting. Tell yes. me about what you're doing from a hiring perspective for your organization. Um, so, we're about 600 people strong today, and on average, we're hiring about 100 to 150 people a year um, now. And that means that we're constantly doing interviews. So we have an entire talent acquisition team and they all they do is interviews. And there's about 2,000 interviews almost on a monthly basis, if not more. Um, and it's a process and you've got to, you know, it evolves as time goes on. Um, but it is definitely a robust process that we work with. So high level, I've been talking about a lot on the show, like some of the hiring data. We just had new unemployment data come out from the from this Fed, then CompTIA does their analysis, tells us that just above 2% unemployment in tech, which is lower than the overall market. So it seems like labor's pretty tight. Cybersecurity skills in super demand, but what are you seeing when you actually start talking to candidates? Like, How tight is it out there? So it is tight to find talent in the US. And I think one of the reasons is, is that our industry just really isn't appreciated. Um, we're a tough industry. Um, we, there's two challenges here. One is we don't have the right leadership in our industry. We don't put enough emphasis on the growing of our leadership um, organizations. And so people don't want to stay and we don't put enough emphasis on upskilling and reskilling. And so what is that growth journey? Um, we're hurting ourselves because we are a very high impact organizations that are, I like to call us firefighters, and people only call us when they're unhappy. And so we're not doing resiliency training. And what we do is we have people turning over within two years. And when they're turning over within two years, it's because either they're burnt out, they don't have effective management to help them be resilient through this. They don't see their growth path. Where am I going to go next? Is this what my life is? Right? We have to be able to invest more in our people and create a program and an organizational structure where they see, well, this is my roadmap and this is my growth. I have the support systems and the structures in place. Um, 
to actually make a career out of this. You know, from a financial perspective, we're not going to be able to compete with the JP Morgan Chases, right? And so it's either money's the driver or growth is the driver. So which driver are we doing? And our industry is, we're lagging behind when it comes to the great talent. And so for us, it is tough. So you talk about two-year turnout. And, and as a former owner myself, that seems too short. But I also know that the expectation now is people will not necessarily be with my organization for their entire career. What's a reasonable expectation and how do you manage to that? Is it four? Is it five years? What's, what's a career path look like in an IT services organization? So we have engineers, obviously. We have people that have been with us 10, 15, 16 years, and the company's been around for 20 years now. Um, but on average, you know, it's, it's your help desk engineers that you see the, the largest turn. Um, because again, we're not doing enough resiliency training with them. Um, the more senior engineers you'll see, they'll actually stay longer. Um, three to five years is a good number. We look for three to five years, even when we're hiring. I don't want to hire someone who hasn't been with the company for at least three years. Um, I would say that's that's a good number. Usually by the third year, if you've got a great organization, they'll stay longer, right? If you've got career development plans for them, they know what their growth trajectory is, they see that upper um, upward movement within the organization, they'll stay. And you may get longer. Like we have a great record and we, we do keep people longer. Um, but I do see in the industry, you'll usually have those one or two diamonds in the rough that'll stay, right? And they'll be your service manager and they'll be with you 10, 12, 15 years. You have a few, four or five is usually when people get antsy and they want to see if the grass is greener. Um, we probably have one of the highest return rates in the entire industry where we have many engineers that will leave and they'll come back because it wasn't greener. Um, what you have to do is you have to build a strong culture around it so that the work is the work. It doesn't matter where they go. It's what else are they getting from us that they're not going to get out in the rest of the market. So what are those big bang investments that an organization needs to make? You talk about building a resiliency program or a we can think about it as a retention yeah. program. What's the package that a business owner needs to be building into their services org? So Patrick Lancioni actually wrote this book about, um, it's about the truth about employee engagement. And he says there's three things that employees um, that lead to job misery in employees. Um, one is, do you see me? Um, how is the work that I do measured and how does the work that I do matter? Um, so what we're really looking at is I need to be able to see the whole employee and it's not just what they do in a scorecard. Um, the scorecards need to be fair, right, across the board. They need to be visible for everybody and they need to see the organization's strategy and how my work matters. And so one of the things that we've done is we've built our own product called Team GPS. And it's a performance management software, but it also aligns the corporate strategy with the individual goals. It has rewards and recognition built into it. It has customer satisfaction, NPS, EPS, we got employee performance, uh, NPS. Um, we've really brought everything that you need to think about from your organization and your employee engagement, and we've put it together. Why? Because we want to be able to see what the data is telling us. We want to know if people are giving rewards and recognition and, and they're seeing accountability awards because Dave, you're really accountable. I want to see that. Why? Because if I'm giving out accountability awards, it means that I must recognize accountability in myself, right? And that's a value that means something to me. So building out programs where we're effectively creating the right goal structure and KPIs, 
where we have a system or a process for career development and growth, where we see how our strategy of the organization aligns with individual goals and they have visibility into it because that's how my work matters, right? Those are the big key components that you want to think about, you know, help your team members learn this is the value and the impact that you're having on the organization. I see you as a whole individual, not just your scorecard. And there's equality across the organization. If you are an L1 engineer, all your scorecards are the exact same. There is no variance. Um, if you create those right structures and you really work hard on building a strong, positive culture, um, you know, we follow the collaborative way process. I think you'll have a winning combination. So I'm going to ask about this because it's been one of those things that I've been looking at from a data perspective. The yes. Business Attack puts out a, a set of data every quarter on the diversity of leadership teams. Yes. And let's call it out, this is an overwhelmingly white male yep. industry. My working premise on this is that is bad for a recruitment perspective yes. because we are, off, we are limiting too much. But it's hard to get from that data point to implementable things that businesses should do. You've spent some time here. What are those key knobs that leaders need to think about for IT hiring yes. to broaden the scope of who they can hire? Well, first and foremost, how many of you have put a DEI statement on your job ads? Um, a simple, a simple step. It's a simple paragraph. Um, so white males can make up about 39% of the workforce. Well, what about the rest of the 61% that's out there? And why do they feel that they can't come to us? Um, creating a diverse work culture requires that, first of all, you should look at your websites because that's our front door. You know, when people are, are looking at jobs, they're, the first thing they're gonna do is go onto your website. They're gonna the search it, see, okay, who's in the leadership team? Will I be welcomed here? Right, and if they see all white males down the row and they see no diversity whatsoever, probably limiting yourself right there. So let's take a look at how are we communicating on our website. Let's look at our job ads. Uh, recently, not recently, but years, probably two or three years ago, we started the practice of putting a DEI statement at the very bottom of all of our job ads. And we wrote, we understand that women and people of color may not apply for a job unless they meet 100% of the goal. Right? If I see a job ad and I don't know for 100% certain that I can do every piece of this, I'm not going to apply. However, white males will shoot at 60% and they'll go ahead and apply. And so we actually created a statement that we put at the bottom of all of our job ads that said, we want you to apply. Please don't think you have to meet 100% of this criteria. If you are at 70%, we want you to apply. We want to hear from you. We tripled the number of applicants that came in. We had individuals that were LinkedIn messaging us, thanking us that they may or may not be a fit for the organization, but they would love for us to keep them in mind for any future roles because they like the fact that our organization is welcoming to them. If we think about it, in a help desk system, women would be great. Stay-at-home moms would be wonderful. They're used to handling tantrums, right? And that's usually what we get. At your frontline help desk is basically dealing with an irate, you know, we used to do the stock exchange. Traders are like children. They sit there, they're yelling and screaming and why isn't this fixed now? And they're berating people. And so women have the ability to, the stay-at-home moms have the ability to calm down and they have flexible schedules, right? So we just have to figure out creative ways of engaging them, right? If I was to give someone a schedule that starts at maybe 10 and ends at two, and then maybe start her again at eight and goes to 12. 
right? And she has now enough time to get her kids off to school during the day she works, then she gets them back, she does the dinner, she gets the homework done, she takes their baths and off they go to bed. Eight o'clock, she starts again for another four hours and she finishes her eight hour shift. What I have now is effective coverage. And I've now gone all the way until 12 p.m. Right, and I can do that internally, and I have, and they get a lot of work done. They're their most productive areas, and then she goes to bed at twelve. She gets up at whatever time she needs to get her kids back out, and off she goes. We have to be creative with the way that we're attracting the rest of this workforce, and we're just not doing it enough. So, as we're thinking about the diversity question, you brought up remote work as yeah. part of that. I've been talking a lot about remote work and that dynamic on the show and the, the tension between management and workers, right? We're seeing a lot of demand for people to come back into the office. Basic premise is large companies that don't have good management of, of that disparate task force are the ones that are doing it. But what are you seeing in terms of the power balance? I think it's still with workers, but what are you seeing with the with the hiring? It is. Um, and what you're seeing is a lot of the companies are actually using remote work as a talent recruitment strategy now. They will woo good employees over and say, hey, you can work remotely with us. And now that's become part of their tool set, um, which is tough for companies like us where you know we do need on-site work and and we understand the value of collaboration and coming together um, I think we're gonna have to find a balance um, but you know managers may say that we need you to get back in the office but what's happening is because there's still again a lot of opportunities out there for good people they don't sit in the market very long the, the employees still have a significant amount of the power unless you're willing to be honest and say, hey, look, we as an organization are moving towards bringing everybody back into the office. It is what it is, and we're going to do it, and you're going to have some turnover. But once you're back in, then it'll be easy. Then everybody that's hired or is new, you know, they'll already be used to you being back in the office. I, you know, there's an Indian saying, you kind of just got to take the, the sour burp, you know, you got to just, you're going to have to deal with it, right? And so that's what you're going to have to do if you do want to get all of your employees back. Expect some turnover, uh, but just be prepared for it. You know, we've, we've mandated it. We know, especially if you're SOC compliant and you have companies like that where there is a difference with people working at home versus coming to the office. Mental health became a huge problem during COVID and even after we still see the repercussions of this. It's not just that we're tired to go into the work. No, you have to think about the importance of people coming together, collaborating, taking care of one another, that conversations that need to happen. It is always a better environment when you can get your teams together. You know, yes, we've got teams and Zoom and everything else, but 100% of the time, a together unified workforce will do much better. So, so wrapping up, there, there's a lot of need for the for IT services organizations, MSPs, yeah. to be doing more with investing in their own people. What's that one tidbit that you always point them and say, if you're not doing anything, you've got to do this one thing? Training. Okay. And what does that look like? You, every MSP needs to have a leadership and development program. And they should set aside at least 2% of your annual revenue. And it's got to be a budget item. There's got to be intentionality behind your training. Um, and creating career development plans based on that. Um, understand where are your people today and where do they need to go. If you have people that want to sit as a help desk engineer forever, 
Well, the technology is going much faster than we can keep up with it. In four years, what they know today is gonna to be obsolete. And so if you're not upskilling and reskilling, you have to be thinking about that, right? The best hiring strategy is retention. But the worst is if you retain people who haven't kept up with technology. And so you have to have a good learning and development program. You have to have some way of engaging your employees and building the right structures to help manage them. So Cam, this has been great. I've learned a lot. If people are looking to get more information, where should they go? Oh, they can go to our website, www.itbd.net. Um, we'd love to hear from them. Uh, we do an entire conference all about how you hire and retain people. Um, and so, love to have them join here or pick up Sunny's book on talentpreneurship and learn all of the tricks that ITBD has on how we became a talent-based company. Well, Kevin, this has been great. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Love being here. The Business of Tech is written by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. This episode was edited and produced by Picture This Video. If you like the content, please make sure to hit that like button and follow and subscribe. It's the free and easy way to support the show and help us grow. You can also check out our Patreon, where you can join the Business of Tech community at patreon.com slash mspradio, or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. Finally, if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit mspradio.com slash engage. Thanks for listening today, and I will talk to you again on the next episode of The Business of Tech. Part of the MSP Radio Network.